We thank you, our God, for this beautiful, beautiful day. It's a day of rejoicing. It's a day of remembrance. For we are reminded of the past week of your grace and mercy that has brought us through. Today is a day of rehearsal. For it is a day upon which we call upon you, O Lord, and by the power of your Spirit that you would engage us today to prepare us for what is yet to come throughout the rest of the week by your will. We find ourselves, O Lord God, and a, 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 a needy people. We need you. For we can't live without you. Because you are our breath. You are our strength. You are our might. We rejoice in you. We've sung songs of praise to you. Because you're worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all worship. And worship is more than just singing. We know that, Lord. Worship is hearing from you. And then worship is engaging in what we've sung and what we hear. We engage it in our lives to honor you. Because you're worthy. And I thank you for allowing us this privilege to be together here. Together to, as a church, to do what we're supposed to do. That is to fellowship one with another. And as John says, truly our fellowship is with you. And so that's why we gather. It's more than a tradition it's a purpose. It's a purpose to encourage one another, to pray for one another. It's a purpose to hear from your word and then to engage ourselves in a society that needs to hear of the wonders of our God. And we thank you, Lord, for this privilege. It's a privilege we have, too, to pray for one another. And we lift up to you our, our dear young sister, Natalie. The testings that she's had in her life, the storms. I thank you, God, that you're walking with her. That you're protecting her directing the hands and the minds of the physicians that need to try to find out why is it that her heart races? And at times it doesn't. The testings that she's just had this, just this past week, I pray they've given good information to the physicians. And yet still, Lord, through the storms, 
I, I never see on Natalie's face the look of despair. There's always a smile, a kind word, a youthful energy that individuals of my age wish we had. And I thank you, God, for the way that you're using her. Maybe not fully aware or fully clear yet of all that you have for her, but she's willing to be and to do, O Lord, what you call her to do. I pray that you would strengthen her. Individuals of our congregation who can't be here because of illness, I pray, God, that you would heal them and give them strength. I pray, Father, that you would be their portion, their energy, their strength that they need to get through the season of storm that they're in. Pray too, Lord, that individuals here today that are burdened, I pray that they would come unto you today. Your word says, come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. There are some here today, Lord, that are discouraged. I pray that they would come to you and find joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Individuals who may have in their mind certain doubts, I, I pray, O oh God, that they'll come to you today and there to find out that in Jesus Christ it's yes and amen. Your word is true. Individuals who are wrestling through storms, I pray that they would come to you today to find peace even in the midst of storm for it is you who can say peace be still in other words God we're here as needy people all of us we need you today and as we gaze into your word I pray your word would find good soil in which to plant itself in. That our lives would be that engaged in you that we would bring forth fruit 10, 20, maybe even 100 times more than what we could ever imagine. You've gifted us, you've equipped us, and now you just want to engage us in a community that needs to hear about you. So from the bottom of our hearts and the depths of our soul, O oh Lord God, may we be and may we do all that you desire from us here at Grace Community Church. For it is about you. The first word of our name speaks volumes of you. It is all about grace. And so, God, teach us today. 
Things that we do not know make them available to us. Things that we cannot remember, O oh Lord, I pray that you engage our minds. Things that we do not know to say yet, I pray, God, that you would speak today. For it is in your mighty name we ask these things. Amen. Growing up, there are a few sayings that have stuck in my mind. Some of them we would say when we were children, such as, sticks and stones will break my bones, but what, everybody? Names will never hurt me. You know that's a lie, by the way. That's all a lie. But it sort of sticks in there. I don't know exactly when it was that I heard this saying, but it has stuck in there. And the saying goes something like this, that we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Am I the only one that's ever heard that one? You've all heard that before. Well, there's a flip side to that too, is that we can become so earthly minded that we're really not any heavenly good. That goes both ways. The church as one pastor of centuries gone said this. The world has every right to judge the world for what it does or judge the church for what it does and what it doesn't do. We find ourselves in the book of Jonah chapter 1. And what is true in Jonah chapter 1 is true in Herndon and whatever community you live in today. And it's this. What is the world judging us here as individuals who call ourselves Christians or as a church that we call ourselves grace community church. Because the one thing we find out in chapter 1 is that Jonah and the sailors are in the same boat. And the boat is going down. And the tragic thing of it is is that Jonah really doesn't care. He'd rather sleep. He'd rather be away from the storm. He doesn't want to associate with the individuals of the storm. He wants to stay in the bottom of the boat and not come up to the top of the boat where everybody needs him. He wants to stay asleep. Before we get to Jonah, I want to take you to the book of Luke, chapter 10. Everyone turn there. Luke, chapter 10. If you're in Jonah, just put a bulletin or something in there. We're going to come right back. But Luke, chapter 10. 
Luke chapter 10 lays out for us the picture of what's happening in the book of Jonah. Luke chapter 10. A very familiar account of Jesus' teaching. In fact, Jesus teaches a Pharisee who comes to him and asks him a question. What, he, what does he need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him a question. What do the scriptures say? For it says in verse 27, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus commented that he spoke truthfully. He spoke well. He he was right on the target. He had pulled back the bow and let it fly, and he's, he's hit the bullseye. But then he follows up with a question. And the question he asks is, who is my neighbor? In other words, who do I have to pay attention to? In other words, he wants Jesus to bring it right down and narrow it down so that he in his own self-righteousness can say, I've done it all. But Jesus doesn't do that. You ever notice that, that, that Jesus just doesn't do things the way we want him to? Life would be so much easier to live. This Christian life would be wonderful if Jesus would only do what I want him to do. Jesus don't work that way. Because Jesus dwells in the spiritual, which develops in the physical. Because everything that is physical is controlled by that which is spiritual. And Jesus always go to the spiritual because if you don't have the spiritual correct, you can't have the physical correct. And so Jesus says to him a parable, a story. There's a man who's been beat up and laying on the road. Two individuals from the church pass him by and say, got no time for you going to church. Got to be there to lead the singing. Got to be there to pass out the offering plate. I ain't got time for you. Someone did have time. What's interesting about the individual who did stop, a Samaritan, the Jews hated the Samaritans. They were a crossbreed. 
It was during the time of the Assyrian army, back in 2 Kings and such, as they came in to conquer the northern ten tribes, they took important people out, but they brought unimportant people in. And they allowed the crossbreeding of Jews and Gentiles, thus creating the nationality known as Samaritans. Jews had no time for them. But it's interesting, the Samaritan had time for the one who was hurt. Now, you know the rest of the situation. But what I'm trying to do is set the stage here is of the three individuals, who would you say would be the best representative of the church? You see, the world has every right to judge us as a church for what we do and what we don't do. Now in Jonah chapter 1. How are you going to tie this together, Pastor? I've been asking myself that all week. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his God. They threw things of the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down to the lowest part of the vessel, stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Come on, the sailors said to each other, let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots and the lot singled out Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us who is to blame. For this trouble we're in. What is your business? And where are you from? What is your country? And what people are you from? He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were seized by a great fear and said to him, What is this you've done? The men knew he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I am to blame. For this great storm is against you. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. And so they called out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life. Don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done just as you pleased. Then they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. The men were seized by a great fear of the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The world has every right to judge the church for what it is doing and what it's not. One of the messages of the book of Jonah I have written there for you is that, namely, God cares how we relate, how we believers relate to those and treat those who do not belong to the kingdom of God. The relationship of Jonah to the sailors is amazing. And in fact, if we would just view this, not knowing the whole rest of the story, not even being aware of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, we may very well ask ourselves the question, which one of those individuals are more spiritual? The sailors? They're praying. I mean, they know that this storm is not a normal storm. I don't know a whole lot about sailing. I don't like to go into boats. Maybe it's because in my younger years I saw all the Jaws movies. I don't need to be in an area where I can't outswim a great white shark. If you are, you want to make, some, you want to make sure someone's next to you who can't swim. At least you get one more second to get away. But I have done some research about sailors. Storms don't overly frighten them. Because where they are and what they stand in is made to weather the storm. An evangelist and his wife was on a cruise one day. And they came into some rough water. And the wife of the evangelist said to him, Go up and see what that captain is doing. The ship is rocking and I don't like it. Like every well-loving husband, mm mm-hmm. Knowing full well he wasn't going to go to sleep that night, went up to see the captain. And the captain said to the individual, you go back down and you tell your wife that this ship was made to weather the storm. Sailors don't get riled. But these sailors were troubled. Because they knew that this storm 
was a spiritually engaged storm. If not, they would have never spent the time praying to their God. As a community, they were concerned of a storm. Believers and not believers together, we are all in the same boat. If famine was to hit our community, it's going to hit our church. If joblessness hits our community, it's going to hit our church. If disease hits our community, it's going to hit the church. The question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to stay asleep in the bottom of the boat? Or are we going to get involved in the lives of people? There's a a little bit of irony in this passage. Did you catch it? You got a pagan captain waking up a prophet of God and telling him to do something that he ain't doing. Get up. Pray. To your God. We covered all our bases. We want to make sure you're covering yours. Because maybe your God can take care of the problem we're in. Maybe. But in chapter 1, you find out something about Jonah is that he doesn't pray. It's not listed there. He doesn't pray till he finds himself in a storm. Chapter 2 is when Jonah begins to engage in prayer because all of a sudden now he's in a situation that he can't control. That's the relationship here. But what is this passage trying to teach us as a church? Lord, have mercy. I've got two minutes. It's this. First of all, as a church, we have to be aware of God's common good to all. I'm letting you in on a little secret here. The church don't have it all together. Oh, we're trying our best. Did you see these ragamuffins up here behind me? We're trying our best. We may not have it all together. But one thing as a church that we need to be very careful of is the fact that God is good all the time to everybody. Why? Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 says, For all of mankind is created in the image of God, and God loves them. Psalm 145, verses 14 down to verse 16. Same passage comes from Genesis. That God has created human beings 
for His glory. Doesn't matter if you are or are not saved. God created human beings. That's why when we take the life of a child, we're sinning against God because He created them. God takes that very highly. And we as a church need to be sensitive to the good of the community because we're all in the same boat. Amen? Second thing we need to do very quickly is we need to be aware of God's common grace. God's common grace. Jesus, in that wonderful passage of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that rain falls on the just and the unjust. Sun shines on the just and the unjust. That's common grace. Just because an individual doesn't have the special grace of salvation, he may have the common grace in order to help you with a sickness that you have. And you ought to thank God for that. Did you notice in the passage, the sailors were looking out for the common good. They wanted to have, make sure everybody was going to make it. Started throwing stuff overboard. Wanted to make sure everyone made it. And they were also aware of the common grace. Because they realized that if we're going to get through this storm, God is the one who's going to take us through. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Did you catch the questions they asked? What did you do? that we're in the midst of this situation. Where are you from, boy? <laughs> what are you doing? Where are you going? Our community may very well be asking the same questions in Grace Community Church. You see, we are held accountable by God. This building is not here by accident, dear people. It's here for a purpose. And the purpose that God has given us is twofold. Share the gospel, make disciples. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the command that God's given us as a church. That we become in, involved and engaged in the common good of our community. And we've done that. I praise the Lord for the way that the Lord has allowed us the privilege of ministering to families who've lost things. We've engaged ourselves in that. 
And I'm thankful for that. But even in those opportunities, are we sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Jonah wanted to get away from pagans. Guess where God put them? Smack dab in the middle of a group of pagans. To get Jonah's mind right, to get our mind right, God will place us in a place that we're trying to run away from in order to prepare us for what he wants us to do. That's the call of Jonah chapter 1. To awaken us as a church, both corporately and individually, to what God has for us to do. And that is to care for people. Share the gospel with them. Then disciple them. Jonah's about to learn a very valuable lesson. God's about ready to sail, send to him a whale gram. We'll look at that next week. Let's pray. Father, in closing today, we've been made aware of the fact that you are concerned about people. And we ought to be too. May it be our passion. May it be our ministry. To honor you by telling people about you so that they can come to know you who will know is eternal life. Equip us, O God. Infuse our hearts. Wake us up. For your glory, he asks. Amen.